Hello everyone. Welcome to my show Career Startup Podcast, a podcast to spotlight world-class Asian entrepreneurs, C-suite executives and leaders who provide insights and wisdom from their personal journey to inspire you. And this is your host Priyanka Komla. To our listeners, do subscribe to us. We are on LinkedIn Live by following me Priyanka Komla or our Career Startup Podcast page. We're also on YouTube as well as on your favorite podcast streaming platform so there are multiple ways in which you can consume our content on the go and today i have with me a fabulous and an exceptional trailblazer a leader for women in tech vidya shrinivasan who's joining us here from the us hi vidya welcome to the show thank you so much priyanka i am so thrilled to be on the show here Awesome. We are super excited. This is our episode 43 and we are on LinkedIn Live, so a lot of milestones for us to celebrate. And to our listeners, let me give you a brief background as to who Vidya Srinivasan is. I've been following her work for almost a year and I've been super impressed when women in tech champions look at engaging the community and helping other women succeed. So kudos Vidya on your continued endeavors to help us get to the next level. Thank you so much. That means a lot. So Vidya she is a super leader in technology she drives the strategy for Microsoft Teams as a product manager focusing on small and medium businesses she's a holder of 21 patents she spearheads initiatives in the diversity and inclusion space and is the general chair of the Grace Harper conference which is the world's largest conference for women in tech she's been the chair for 2019 and 2020 so i'm super excited to hear from the leader who's been on stage front and center inspiring women to succeed in technology. Oh, thank you so much. I think I have so much to share depending upon how you want to take the show. Uh but yeah, no, Grace Harper has been a very pivotal uh part of my my career so far. So looking forward to sharing more. That's awesome with you. So let's get started with your childhood. You grew up in India, the southern part. both in chennai and hyderabad and the best part about you vidya is you've been independent from a very young age and that's a unique value that a lot of us have to continue to instill in ourselves and the next generation so tell us some fond memories growing up back home in india absolutely there are so many fond memories so it's going to be hard to pick one but um i'd say you know um uh, one of the reasons why i uh my parents instilled this uh value of being independent from the get go is because i'm i'm the only kid i don't have siblings and both my parents are working parents so uh i think that was the biggest um you know uh value that they could help me build from from the get go a bigger skill that they could help me build from the get go uh one fond memory because you asked for um would be the the flexibility that my parents gave me in just exploring and experimenting with a lot of things from my childhood i have dabbled in music uh which is from my age of 3 i've learned classical dance i've ex- dabbled in arts i've dabbled in science olympiads math olympiads i've dabbled in you know uh, athletics i was actually a runner back in school so they never you know tried to put me in a box saying but yeah this is what you're supposed to be doing and i come from a very you know um uh you know orthodox tamil family i would say so there were expectations on you know from the extended family and even in the society i would say 
right? A society, the way they view as a woman, a girl in India is, oh, you're supposed to be doing these things, not supposed to be doing these things. But my, my parents never really wanted me to adhere to those norms, I would say, you know, they were like, if you like to do something, if you want to try to do something, go try it out. And you decide if that's going to fit you or that's not going to be fitting you, right? So, and that helped me, first of all, explore a lot of things. Uh, and some things worked out like music, which I practice to the to, to this date and some things like dance I, I gave one show and I was like that's probably going to be all of it in my dancing career because I was not a good dancer at all so that I think um, is one of my fondest memory and they were so supportive my dad used to wake up at uh, 4 a.m and take me for my uh, marathon practices uh, my mom used to pack five different types of boxes for me because I used to go from class A to class B, you know, preschool, after school, and, you know, trying out this, trying out that. And I think it it took, it took a family. It took, like they say, it takes a village to raise a kid, right? Like it, a it, child, right? Exactly. Exactly. It took a family and a lot of dedication and commitment for them in, 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 in addition to juggling their own jobs, they both had very successful careers as well. Right. So it, and it, bankers, and that, right? they are, yeah, they're both bankers. And, it, it was very demanding for them as well. But in addition to all of that, they helped me, you know, experiment all these things to help myself understand what is it that I like better, what is it I don't like better. And that, I think, continues to the, to this date. So I am very comfortable getting out of the box. It doesn't intimidate me as much because I know that, yeah, what's the worst that could happen? Right? And, and that, I think, is very important. So how do your parents feel your success, you now being the Grace Hopper chair, which is you know, one of the epitomes of leadership for women in technology. They are very proud. Any article that comes up, any show that comes up, my parents are the first to go and watch it, share it with their extended network. They're they are very proud. And I'm, I'm glad I could make them proud. <laughs> That's amazing. So, uh, you know, I've, the fact that you always think out of the box is something that you grew up being comfortable since childhood. I think that's really essential for a lot of us as part of our leadership traits, you know, overcoming the fear of failure, rejection, uncertainty, which seems to be the norm now with the pandemic, especially. So tell us a little bit more about versatile Vidya. I think that's how people see you. What's one thing that's very unique about you that you want to share with our listeners? Wow, you are, your questions are all very thought of. I can say that. <laughs> and you've definitely you. read a lot about me. Uh, the whole like the versatile Vidya thing, it actually came up in a, in a you know group event that we were doing at work, and they had to, everyone had to pick, you know, a word that describes the other person in the team. And for whatever reason, majority of the team then picked versatile for me, so that just stuck, I guess. Um, for me, what that means is not restricting myself to one dimension. That's what that's what that's how I see it. I believe in pursuing a multidimensional career because I see that each of my dimensions complements to the other. Because whenever you try doing something, you pick up a whole lot of skills that though not directly, you know, ties back to, you know, whatever it is that you want to pursue, but it definitely helps. It's almost like you're collecting all these, you know, beautiful pebbles as you walk through this beautiful walkway and you never know what, which of these you would need to build that amazing castle at the end of the road, but, you know, it just helps. So that's what all of this means for me. Um, what is the one unique thing that I love about this journey is the amount of self-realization that comes with trying out each of these things, you know, when it say 
I never started each of the all of these at once. It was a very serendipitous um, discovery, I would say. Right, I, some of these I picked up because of necessity, like public speaking. Some of it just came my way, you know, uh, like like leading DNI initiatives, and it just stuck with me because I could I could I had a lot of passion for it, right? But the one thing that I value is one the impact that each of my work has. I think that is. That is the North Star, right? Like, why do we even do? Why are you hosting this podcast? Why are you taking the effort of, you know, waking up on a Sunday morning and preparing so much about each of your guests? And why do you have to do all of these things? Because of the impact that you see and the satisfaction that gives you at the end of the day. And I think that's the same, you know, uh, metric for me as well, if you will, right? Like after every show I do or after every, you know, talk I give or after every effort I, I put in, yes, it does take a lot of juggling and, you know, hustling in the back end, as you might also relate. But at the end of the day, the impact and the testimonials I get back just makes everything so worth it. That's pretty amazing to hear. And thank you, Vidya, for sharing those, you know, personal moments of joy that you derive by engaging the community and creating an impact. You know, and I really appreciate you being here on a Sunday morning amidst kids and everything else that you juggle as well. So really appreciate you being on our show. Thank you so much. Now let's talk about your experience coming to the US. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is, you know, a lot of students when, you know, I've been a grad student myself coming to the US, just like, you know, our paths have similar um, uh, dimensions, I should say. And we have this fear of what's happening next. You know, how do we carve a niche for ourselves? And to our listeners, Vidya came to the US as a computer science graduate at North Carolina State University. And she was searching for an internship when times were tough. And she had the same feelings of fear of rejection. You know, how do you go and showcase who you are to get the opportunities that you desire? Vidya, when you look back at that journey, what advice would you have for our listeners in terms of not giving up and conquering that fear of unknown? Hmm. That's, a, that's a really good question, especially given the times that we live in right now, which is in the class of 2020 is probably going to be one of the most resilient classes. If, you, if when we when we look back, you know, years from now, um, you know, Priyanka, like adding on to, you know, the description that you had just now, when I joined, you know, when I came for my master's, I did not have any prior work experience, so I completed my bachelor's and directly came for my master's. And what wasn't obvious to me back then is, until your bachelor's, all your peers are pretty much, you know, give or take, at the same skill level. And similar experience, you know, similar skill levels, you know, you, you can still like, you know, learn, learn and pick up and, you know, improve. There's, there's not a lot of added advantage because you're all, you know, pretty much around the same age group, I would say. But when I came to my master's, what freaked me out very early on is there are people with like five, six, seven years of work experience. They just had everything figured out. Like they were very, you know, they put in a lot of thought on, oh, this is the this is the exact advisor I'm going to be working for. These are the companies I'm going to be targeting. And I, I wasn't quite there yet. And that basically, you know, started, I started impostering. I didn't know that it was called imposter syndrome back then. But when I look back at it, that was classic imposter syndrome, right? I was always thinking about, oh my God, like obviously when a company is going to come and interview, why on earth would they pick me with zero experience versus that person who has all of this experience and, you know, worldview, if you will. So I was always, um, you know, cutting myself short and not giving me 
the credit that I had and, and not evaluate, valuing me for what I had in my resume, which was pretty diverse experiences. You know, I had a couple of papers and, you know, presented international conferences, led a whole bunch of, you know, uh, uh, communities, student body communities. You know, I, ha I was really good at academics. I was really good at, you know, music. I never, I discredited all of that because I was focusing more on what the other person brought to the table and why all the reasons why they would not pick me versus all the reasons why they should pick me. So I think it, what was surprising was I was one of the earliest, you know, students to actually get an interview offer and the first one to actually land an internship in, in my, in my batch. And throughout this process, I was still imposturing myself. <laughs> the morning when I had my Microsoft interview, I called my mom. I was like, I'm, I think I'm going to make a biggest fool of myself by going to this interview. My mom was like, okay, what's the worst thing that could happen? You don't get the job. That's okay. But don't, don't not show up. Right? You'd be doing yourself a much bigger disservice by not showing up. Right? And she pushed me to like, go. And, and I, I went and I was, again, you know, not my very confident self, but still I cracked it. Right? And I mean, after I landed that internship, I think I started building my confidence. So yeah, of course I can do it. And you know, I and I by the time I finished my this was what in October, right? So I landed in July, and by October I had an internship offer, right? Okay. And then by the time I finished my internship, I had a full time offer, right? So these smaller experiences, you know, helped me build that much needed confidence. So going back to your question of what are the things, what would be my biggest advice? I would say is one, do not, you know. Focus on yourself on what you bring to the table and worry less about all the other competition that, that is out there. Yes, it's competitive, but it has always been competitive, right? And there are enough positions available and people are looking for what you bring to the table and they aren't going to be doing this comparison test, right? So definitely don't, you know, don't try to sell yourself short. Like give yourself the credit that you deserve. And the second thing is imposter syndrome is real. It's very real. And especially if you're a minority, it is it is very, very real. Right. So I would never say, you know, uh, discredit it. I, I, what I have learned through the years of experience is acknowledge it. You know, acknowledge. Yes, of course, you're there, but I'm going to park you to the side. Right. And I'm going to go do my thing and then I'll deal with you later. Like this was one of the you know best advices that I've got, because when you try to fight it, saying you don't exist, it's you know you're, you're kind of like faking it at that point right imposter syndrome is real and in a way it kind of you know challenges me to out, outdo myself every single time right so acknowledge it but then don't let that get into your head right and yes this is hard but you know i i really hope times do get better we are living in a, I, I i i in every talk i do i say this we are living in what seems like a episode straight out of black mirror mm -hmm. <laughs> very dystopian very very you know what we've been testing humanity has been tested since the beginning of 2020 but hang in there and reach out to the community if, if you if you feel somebody can help you you know definitely reach out right don't don't try to you know silo yourself you know as you're dealing with all of these things definitely reach out everybody is there to help you we all think we all want to see each other succeed right so definitely reach out that's splendid advice with there and for the class of 2020 and to anybody out there who's listening be it in your personal and professional life it's acknowledging that you have a lot of uh, changes coming through, but you just have to ride it through by just saying, hey, let's compartmentalize that. And that's a huge mindset shift. I think that's one of the challenges we all face, right? Because yep. there's no straight answer to it. Yep. Yep. So let's talk about your career in Microsoft. Once you landed an internship and a full-time offer, now looking back at your experience with Microsoft, 
what are three things that you would say you would really love about your current role yeah so i've been at microsoft and in the tech industry for about 8 years now and uh the things that i love about microsoft is um firstly the impact microsoft is such a big company that you know it 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 there are so many of its products that reach literally millions of users on a daily basis and i've been so fortunate i consider myself really lucky for working on some very successful services uh i am really passionate about taking you know things from 0 to 1 so if you look back at my career trajectory it's always been around working on something that is that doesn't exist and shipping something that is pretty kick ass and you know uh is is embraced and delights millions of users so i've launched almost 5 v1 services so far in my 8 years uh, at microsoft and each of it has been received really well and each of it actually solves a real pain point right so when i look at users using one of the services that i was you know that i contributed to it definitely gives me a lot of satisfaction that you know uh, the, the all the challenges that we went through while, while building it you know is has ended up in in a good spot at the end of the day right so impact is definitely something that i really value working at microsoft and the second thing would be the diversity of experiences that i managed to collect and 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 you know and 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 have again i think it's it's because of microsoft and how big it is when you move from org a to org b it's almost like you're moving to a different company right microsoft serves pretty much every segment of customers from consumers to small and medium businesses to enterprises right and i worked on a lot of services across a lot of teams and all of all of technology stack as well right so everything from the customer segment to the tech stack to you know the problem that you're working on it's all so diverse that you almost have to at least for me pause and relearn the fundamentals when you move from you know org a to org b or product a to product b to give you an example i currently work as a growth pm in microsoft teams which has just been growing at an such an unprecedented rate because of you know the whole remote work situation and my current role requires such a different mindset than my the role that i did prior to this which was incubating a virtual reality service from ground up right it was it's you know when you when you draw the comparisons on a side by side comparison it's almost like you're working at two different companies one is a you know the the, the vr experience was just like a startup because we were i was the first the only pm running that show and mm-hmm. we were almost like eight to nine people that's it and we were working on such a siloed space because the problem that we were thinking and and we were addressing were like four or five years down the lane right vr as you might know is is still a niche technology it's it's still not mainstream not even in the consumer segment and we were working on building the first virtual reality experience for the enterprise so so we had to embrace a very different mindset a very different customer obsession and and a very different you know uh you know a lot of these product management principles that you would you know take into account while building a product and when i come to teams i'm i'm not starting from ground zero over here as a growth pm right the goal is very different the focus is very different the mindset has to be very different so the diversity of experience is something that i really really value the third i would say is the platform that microsoft gave me to kind of discover myself in the process you know uh when i joined microsoft i didn't know that oh one day i'm going to be leading grace harper or one day i'm going to be talking before 25000 people or one day i'm going to be doing xyz but i think there was enough flexibility that the company offered and also support not just flexibility right they have there are so many instances where they amplified the work that i was doing they they cheered me on they put me on on their instagram page they put me on their website 
right? And they did a story uh, three years down the lane, three years after I started. Microsoft was one of the earliest, um, you know, platforms to actually profile me, right? So That's it's not awesome. just giving me a platform, but it's also like cheering me, supporting me, and kind of like coming with me on the journey, you know. And that that not a lot of companies do that. And that is something that I really value and, and, and admire about the leadership team at Microsoft because they want you to be your authentic self because they see the value that you bring to the table when you are your authentic self. Now, that's a pretty good way of looking at it. And organizations like Microsoft and leaders like Satya Nadala, we need more of them who look Absolutely. at the value that each employee brings to the table and not look at us just as a headcount, yeah. but more about, you know, what are some derivatives that we can also provide for the company and to build your own personal brand too. Absolutely. So let's talk about women in technology, especially, and you spoke about imposter syndrome, say for example, and I believe mentors are very crucial to everyone's success. What is one advice would you have for women in tech and both men and irrespective of the gender uh, to start creating a board of mentors around us? That's a that's a very, very uh, important question. And I actually did a panel at Grace Hopper just last week around, you know, how do you build authentic relationships? Like why relationships relationships are your true currency, right? And how do you create that personal crew of support or board of mentors that you that as as you put it? The one if you if there are so there's so many things around building authentic relationships, right? But the most important thing I would say, in my opinion, is spending enough time and energy to nurture that relationship, right? We live in this age of social media where a lot of us are used to instant gratification, right? And a lot of us, um, you know, uh, tie in building a relationship to adding them or following them on social media. And that's where it ends for many. I get like hundreds of messages on a weekly basis, Priyanka, where it's all very tactical. You know, it's all very tactical. Like I, I, I wouldn't even know who they are or they wouldn't know the first thing about me, but just because of, you know, of, of whatever title that I put in on LinkedIn or whatever aspect of my portfolio that they like, they're like, hey, can you defer me? Can I jump on a 20, 30 minute call and, and you know, ask you about product management at Microsoft? And I respond to most of the messages that come my way. And the first thing that I tell them is, have you looked at my profile? Have you read through my portfolio, right? Because if you do that, you would actually get a response, your responses to a lot of the questions that you're asking me here, right? People, if you want to build that authentic relationship that you want for uh, to continue for a long time, you'd have to invest in building and nurturing that relationship. It's not enough if you just identify the person and initiate a connection request on social media. And that takes a lot of time and effort. Mentoring and solid mentorship you know, are, are grounded on mutual respect, they're grounded on authenticity, and they're grounded on uh, trust. And it takes time to build trust, right? Mm -hmm. And that, that would be my biggest advice, you know, start early and do your research. I try to find out why is it that you want to foster a relationship with this person and invest the right time. And both, you know, I have, I have a whole bunch of mentors in my tribe and I am in the tribe of many of my mentees. But if you look at each of them, I know them at a very personal level. And it's it, it took both of us, like both me as a mentor as well as a mentee, it took considerable amount of time and effort. So when you are asking a person, not just me, like anybody to invest 30 minutes of their time, you better have, you know, you better already have invested 60 minutes. 
to know who they are, what is it that they want from them? Why is it that you want to hop on the call? Because time, unfortunately, is a big constraint for all of us, right? So when you're asking for someone's time, you're asking for one of the most precious resources that they have on that particular day. So you better very, very make sure that you make a compelling case for that person to actually get on that call. And when you have that call, make sure you follow up, keep them in the loop. And that's the other thing. A lot of people, you know, uh, I hop on a call, 15, 20 minute call and talk to them and I never hear from them again. <laughs> so it's when you do a transactional relationship, right? Exactly. At that moment. Exactly. And it's okay. You know, it's okay. You, you don't have to build a mentoring relationship or authentic relationship with everybody. Yeah, but right. it's okay. A lot of these things that we do are transactional and that's okay. But when you do a transactional relationship, you need to know that it is going to be transactional. Right. Yeah. So you can't expect the benefits of a mentoring relationship when you put in only the time and effort that needed for a transactional relationship. Right. So just like definitely, you know, for those small set that you want as your board of mentors, as, as you put it, Priyanka, definitely make sure that you spend enough time and energy to nurture them because your career is it's it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And you these relationships are one of the biggest investments that you can make to future proof yourself. You know, I love the word future-proofing yourself. Hey, look, there's this pandemic and everybody's scrambling to figure out what the future of their jobs are going to look like. So investing into these relationships and uh, I like the way you've termed it. It's the relationship currency, right? It's very valuable and it can't be always transaction depending on the situations that they arise from. And and that's actually uh, coined by one of my friends, Melody. So I'm going to give her a shout out because she is the founder of Women in Tech Regatta in Seattle and I think even Amsterdam. She was the one who came up with this hashtag relationship is the new currency. And I think that resonated so much with all the speakers, I mean, all the listeners at, at you know, the, at the Grace Harper conference when we spoke about this. So the credit for that actually goes to Melody, not me. That's amazing. I hope she gets to listen to the show. Now, let's talk about Grace Harper, given that we started talking about it. Uh, it's one of the world's largest tech conferences for women. I, I've always admired it from a distance. Hopefully, one day I'll be there uh, and get to see you in person as well. Now, tell us about your role as the general chair for Grace Harper Conference. And what is one challenge you've successfully aced this year through Grace Harper? Yeah, this year has been nothing but challenges, my friend. So <laughs> we can we can spend a day just talking about those. But uh, my role um, this year and the last for 2019 and 2020 as, as general chair uh, essentially means I work with this amazing team of volunteers to come up with the end-to-end conference program. So that includes recruiting volunteers, training them, uh, coming up with the call for participation, you know, deciding the tracks and the focus areas of each track and writing the call for participation. And, um, you know, and then eventually reviewing all the proposals that come in. We get t- tens of thousands of proposals. Right. And then uh, working with this, you know, all my track chairs and their teams of volunteer reviewers to finalize what goes in the program versus not. You know, and there are so many different um session types, each with varying requirements and serving different audiences. So, you know, it's we have taken into consideration all of that as well. Uh, because this year was virtual and we had to make, when we started out planning for Grace Harper 20, we were scheduled to uh, have it as a physical conference in Orlando, just like last year, right? So I thought I had everything under control <laughs> because I did this once. I thought I had this fantastic playbook and uh, we also knew our knew what we had to get better at, you know, based on the the um, 
the yeah, postmortem brief, you know, the briefings, you know, uh, retrospective meetings that we did after Grace Hopper 2019. So the team, we thought we had a solid plan, you know, and then and we put the call for participation and we were we actually started recruiting and, you know, we were in the middle of the review process. And that's when this whole pandemic hit. So we had a tough decision on do we cancel the conference? Do we postpone the conference or do we try this virtual thing, which we have never done before? Right. Um, we chose the latter because we believe that hey, Grace Harper is like an annual destination for thousands of you know women and, and allies in tech. Right. So we, we still felt that, hey, we should put together at least a virtual conference so that people can still derive the benefits, you know, um, of the conference. And we, we still, you know, give a platform for people to, you know, instill and build a sense of community. Right. Um, so one of the bigger challenges I would say is we had to unlearn and relearn a lot of things from from ground up because of this whole virtual format. You know, there's a quote. Um, I was actually reflecting, you know, there were times when it was very stressful for the entire team, not just for the volunteers, but for the staff at Anita B. And it's not a big company organization. If you look at the core staff at Anita B.org, which, you know, which which uh, directly works on Grace Hopper, it's actually a handful of people. Right. Each having their own families, each juggling their own things, you know, like the rest of us are. So uh, this quote crossed my way, which was everything is difficult when you do it the first time. Mm -hmm. Right. So if we were to host a virtual conference the next time, for whatever reason, I am sure it's going to be 10x better because we've learned a whole bunch of things. But when you do it the first time and at a scale at which we operate, which is 39,000 attendees. Right. So the biggest challenge was to ensure that we hit all the key metrics that we wanted to hit, you know, around creating the right value, ensuring that we give a platform to 250 plus speakers to share their wisdom with the community. Ensure we give a platform for 39,000 attendees to come and connect with each other, albeit in a virtual format, but still, right? Give them a platform to actually connect with each other. And we, above all, I think it's, we are at a place where we're also siloed if you look at it, mm -hmm. right? Like we are working from home, you know, everything is like, you know, shut. There's, there's no social angle and aspect to many of the things that we do and people are getting burnt out because they don't have that sense of community. Right. And one of my personal goals was to ensure that we give that hope and we we instill that sense of community to people in, in whatever way, right? It could be through one-on-one -on -one mentorship. It could be through, you know, one-to-many connection. It could be to be through, you know, hearing a session and learning something new and that helping them in turn in achieving whatever goal that is that they have, right? And that I think was, we've been massively successful this year, right? I have heard nothing but good things. You know, yes, we had some glitches, but the feedback that I got through the conference and after the conference was, hey, we didn't know what to expect, but you definitely, you know, did exceed the expectations. Right. And I think props to the entire 2000 plus volunteers who who still, you know, took the journey with us, even though they were juggling so many things at their end and the staff at NEW.org. That's pretty amazing. And, you know, creating that user experience, right? That customer experience around being on a virtual conference, which is one of the most sought after conferences that every tech professional wants to be at. And kudos to you and your team, uh, Vidya. I'm so glad under your continued leadership, Grace Hopper continues to exceed expectations as part of this conference. Thank you. Now we have a uh, question from our guest. So now it's part of our guest corner. Mm -hmm. So we, 
One question that we have from Supriya Kamatagi, who is a software engineer at Mindtree and who is very excited having you on the show. She's from Bangalore, Karnataka, in India. How did you make 21 patents happen? What's the secret? <laughs> this is a very popular question I get. Um, I'd say patenting is a combination of um, the domain that you're working on, the type of problem that you're trying to solve, and the and how novel your solutions are to address that problem, right? Um, I have just been, I would say, fortunate to work on, you know, challenging problems that the company and the my my leadership team was willing to bet on, right? Because when you look around, you see so many problems, but not all of them. You can't bet on all of them. Right, so uh, let's take one of the you know projects that I worked on, which is which is in virtual reality. It's a very very niche space, and the type of problem that we were trying to solve is has not been done before, right? So when you come up with solutions, a lot of that become patent worthy, right? So uh, what I've learned early on in my career is focus on the problem and focus on how you can solve that in 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 the most novel way. That is said that ultimately, you know, helps the user derive what they want to, like you know, and 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 delights the user when they end up using it. And parenting will just follow, right? Like, don't look at a problem with the goal of wanting to parent something, uh, but rather focus on the problem and then try to come up with, you know, innovative solutions and 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 obsess about the problem enough, and and you know, parenting will actually follow. The process yep. of parenting itself is not that hard. Again, mm -hmm. I'm, I, I say it from a very, very, uh, I acknowledge that I am at a very, very privileged spot because I have this amazing team of, you know, legal and immigration, sorry, uh, patent attorneys uh, at Microsoft who are, who, are, who are experts in helping us identify how to patent and, you know, um, and, and how do you write a patent proposal? Because it's not easy to write a patent proposal. Like it, it, it takes some time and effort. And I've just been fortunate to work with an amazing team of you know uh, patent attorneys at Microsoft. But uh, where you start is by looking at the problem. And I think as a product manager, I got to work on some of the problems before it was even obvious to others that it was a problem, <laughs> right? So uh, and and when you combine that with smart you know software engineers and testers and you know, user experience designers and researchers, then you have a you have a winning team. And and that's what led to 21 patents and counting. That's amazing, Vidya. And hope our guest, Supriya uh, Kamatagi, guest listener, also gets to uh, hear about this and feel excited about maybe, hey, the future is wide open in order to look at the problem and be a patent holder. Yep. We have another comment from our guest, um, inspiring interview, guest uh, listener. Good, keep it up. So thank you, Satya, for that. And uh, how does singing play an incredible role in all of this? Yeah, well, singing is the the, the earliest dimension that I started <laughs> uh, fostering, I would say. Um, my mom put me in music school when I was three because she mm -hmm. was interested in music and she just wanted me to learn music. And I'm glad she did that because she exposed me to music at a very, very early age. And over the course of years, music for me has become... Um, become a happy place if 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 you know if that means something to you <laughs> you know when you when you sometimes you do something and you really derive a sense of joy right like it it helps you connect with your inner soul in in very deep levels and music for me is something that i go to when i'm happy or sad or anywhere in between the spectrum right if i'm stressed out then i sing and that helps me relax if i'm really happy then i also sing 
you know, uh, and I sing almost on a daily basis, right? And and I think um, I've also, I, I've learned Carnatic music. I, I hold a degree in Carnatic music and I've done uh, a whole bunch of TV shows when I was back in India and plenty of, you know, uh, singing with bands and, you know, recordings. I've done scratch tracks for some, you know, short films. And over, even over here in Seattle, I, I sing with a couple of bands and uh, my family is also very musically uh, knowledgeable. So when we see, you know, musical shows or when we, you know, uh, see something uh, or hear a new song, we, we also talk about, you know, hey, let's let's talk about how this song was made. What is the ragam? And, you know, what, what are the nuances in this song? And, you know, we try to like understand the song at a much deeper level. And that also, I think, helps you appreciate music in a, in a, in a much better way. Right. But so music, I think I, I don't. I might at some point in time stop working as a product manager, but I don't ever see myself stop singing. <laughs> so I think this is something that I'm going to carry forward uh, uh, for the rest of my life. You know, it's a, music is a great form of expression, you know, be it your happiness or all the Navarasas that you have in your life, right? Uh, yep, yep. Anyway. Um, well, our uh, listener, Supriya Kamatagi, wants to thank you, Vidya, for the answers on the, the patent as well. And thank you, thank Supriya, for joining us. Thank you, Supriya. Yep. So we have a fun rapid fire on for you, uh, Vidya. Are you ready for it? Yes, I'm, I'm ready. Fire it on. So you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind in one word when I say the following. Role model? Parents. Gender inequality? Still exists. What does happiness mean to you apart from music? Family. <laughs> That's good to know. What's one fun thing about Vidya you haven't shared anywhere else on the Grace Hopper conference but exclusive to our listeners i'm also a runner what is your native language and one word to describe yourself in it tamil is my native la native language and i think vidya and tamil means knowledge wisdom that's perfect it's it's a wonderful way to wrap up who vidya is as i mentioned versatile vidya is somebody who's educated and is looking at ways to empower fellow women and allies in technology Vidya, do you have any parting thoughts for our listeners and your experience being on our show? Well, I would say, Priyanka, you are doing a phenomenal job Thank of you. investing in, you know, highlighting Asian leaders in tech and beyond and inspiring, you know, so many people who are, who are you know, craving to look for role models, right? And I know that, I know how much, you know, uh, background work that you did to pull together this 38 minutes of, you know, interview here, right? Thank so you. thank you. And and I don't know if you have a big team working on this, but I suspect it's not, but it's a one woman show. And I know you are also a mom. You also have juggling priorities. You have a full-time job. So it's not easy. So thank you for, you know, who you are. And thank you for putting together such a wonderful platform. Like I've heard, you know, many episodes of the Curry Up Startup Podcast. You've shared with me many episodes as well. And it is such a, you know, it's such a joy being on the show here and, and sharing. And I, and and uh, please continue doing this. Do not stop. And if I can help you in any way, do not hesitate to ask at all. Thank you, Vidya. And uh, it's such an honor to have you on the show. And I'm so glad we could make it work given the busy schedule. And with Grace Hopper, just wrapping up, I thought this was a perfect segue to bring you on the show and help people understand who the real Vidya is. Thank you. It is, it is, it is my honor to be on the show. And thank you so much for having me here once again. Thank you, Vidya. And for our listeners, uh, that was Vidya Srinivasan, Grace Hopper Conference Chair, as well as the Product Manager with Microsoft Teams. The three key takeaways with our show with Vidya. First one, think out of the box and cultivate that trait 
from today. You know, the fear of uh, rejection or failure shouldn't stop you from doing your best. And two, cultivate a board of mentors and invest in them, getting to know them and nurturing those relationships in the long run. And three, the most fabulous of all, Vidya, is find a hobby that you're really passionate about that brings the best in you. And for Vidya, that's singing. For me, it's amplifying the stories of Asian voices. So figure out what that unique trait is. And thank you so much, Vidya. Such an honor to have you on the show. And uh, we look forward to your continued success going forward as well. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, until another episode with another interesting guest, this is your host, Priyanka Komla, signing off from Karyup Startup Podcast, a podcast to spotlight world-class Asian leaders, entrepreneurs, C-suite executives who provide insights and wisdom from the personal journey to inspire you. And do subscribe to us by following me, Priyanka Komla, on LinkedIn for your LinkedIn Live notifications and our Karyup Startup Podcast page. We also are available on YouTube, Twitter, and your favorite podcast streaming platforms. Until another episode with another interesting guest, this is your host, Priyanka Komla, signing off. Mm-hmm.